0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello, hello, hello. How you doing? It's uh, I always do this calendars thing now. calendar cal- thing now. It's April 17th. And uh it's a, a Wednesday, right? Um I'm looking at a, at a story that says that uh, Pennsylvania now has an official amphibian. Can I just ask a stupid question? Why? I mean, what purpose is served? Uh, our official amphibian, by the way, is the Eastern Hellbender. It is one ugly SOB and it is a nocturnal salamander that can grow up to two feet long. Um, It says here that the House in Harrisburg voted 191 to 6 to grant the honor to the salamander. I Again, I, I just have one question. Why? This actually would have taken up time. <laughs> it would have taken up resources. It turns out that there was a bunch of people who actually were not in favor of the eastern hellbender. They like some other salamander whose name I can't pronounce. Why would? I mean, I know states do this kind of thing. But it's not like there's a salamander lobby. It's not like anyone's going to make money off of uh, Well, I I stopped myself in mid-syllable there because maybe somebody is. Wherever the hellbender is, they're going to sell little hellbender pins or something. Why? Like, we've got some serious issues to deal with. And these overpaid blowhards are spending time honoring a friggin' salamander. People need health care. People need good schools. (laughs) Our infrastructure is falling apart. And you're honoring a salamander. Not worth my getting upset about uh in an era where never more have uh, where n- never more than now have we had to pick our fights <laughs> uh yeah that's not but that's what I'm saying Wha- <coughs> stupid just want to say stupid and I got there's another stupid story i want to um I want to address. It also is more local. I beg the indulgence of those of you who are not here in Pennsylvania, but nonetheless, all of these stories could be happening anywhere. Um, I first saw a little tidbit about this thing um, on Twitter, um, and it had to do with the pit football team. Now, I'm not particularly interested in the Pitt football team and the fact that they got new uniforms or something. I think that was the story. Oh, Katie, bar the door. Pitt football has a new uniform. All the reporters came out. The photographers came out. It was big to do. And then it turns out there was a controversy. There was an immediate controversy because one of the players tweeted that the new uniform included a helmet, of course, but on the little teeny part of the visor of the helmet, not sure the proper characterization of, of where it is, um, the helmets had, and this was new, 412 on them, which is the area code. And by the way, it's a very specific area code. If you have a 412 area code, um you can almost draw a circle it is it is pittsburgh and a little bit out of pittsburgh and that's it so it's a way of saying pittsburgh 412 412 so they put it on it's cool and then they took it off because there was a problem it turns out that there is a shop on Pittsburgh's south side which is uh, called Shop 412. And the Shop 412 people contacted Pitt and said, Excuse me, but you're infringing on our trademark. Uh, Apparently, Shop 412 has T-shirts with Pittsburgh. You know, it's their thing. They put 412 on stuff. How the hell do you trademark an area code? It's not as if the university had put Shop 412 on the helmets. They put 412. It's not even in the same font so it's not their trademark. Um, and And here's the other thing. <laughs> if this is a shop that exists because they're Pittsburgh proud, and their whole thing is about four one two, why would they pick a fight with a local football team? Which certainly doesn't seem like a smart business move to me because i I just why are people so litigious, so quick to be offended and feel victimized? Why you can't say four one two I mean. And and you know, uh, trademark attorneys say, um, you know, they registered a specific logo. The, the pit didn't put that logo up on their helmets. That pit back down so fast is so bizarre. And then back to Twitter. Uh, if you look at Twitter, there are people um, who are saying, "I'll never buy another thing at that shop again." I mean, stupid. So now we get to cop, what? I'm I'm just sick of it. People want to own things that belong to everybody. This is three numbers. (laughs) Four, one, two. So I just wanted to say, I cannot believe, you know, I cannot believe our state legislators spent a whole ton of time uh, honoring a friggin' salamander yesterday or the day before, and I can't, yesterday was, and I can't believe that three little numbers, and they're small, put on a helmet that no one else would have even noticed, causes a controversy. in the Tribune Review. Pitt football and Southside shop spar over 412. Hey. Again, you know, by the way, I was coming up in the elevator, and all of a sudden I had a, a slight moment of anxiety. I mean, I have moments of anxiety throughout the day. It's a pretty consistent uh, thing and i was i was looking at my my shirt and i thought <gasps> did i wear this on monday <laughs> did i wear it on monday amy's checking all you got or did i wear it on monday there is this no it was cold on monday and i wore that sort of orangey thing And then I thought, oh, my God, what if I wore it? And then I thought, no man would ever have a friggin' panic attack in the elevator thinking, oh, my God, did I wear this? So um, I'm glad to hear that. But, I mean, it's... Here's Bob and Braddock. Hey Bob, you're the one who told me to say go Pens, right? Um, how'd that work out? <laughs> Jesus God. Maybe if they'd had four one two on their helmets, it would've helped a little bit. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Bob's given up on the Penguins apparently because he's he's. He's on some other subject. Remember, he says, five years ago when you said on your show, I mean, first of all, I just want to say the odds are no. I don't remember five minutes ago. So remember five years ago uh, when there was a tornado warning in upstate New York that caused a meteorologist to go on air and report it minutes before the end of the World Cup um, I don't remember that. And and then he got death threats, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, um Bob says last Sunday as Tiger Woods closed in on his that momentous, you know, extraordinary win at the Masters, it happened again. Well, this time to an Atlanta meteorologist who had to break in and tell people in Atlanta to take shelter, there's a tornado. I mean, a tornado warning means there is a funnel on the ground. And so, yeah, you do have to. And so now this poor guy is getting death threats because it interrupted uh, the masters. Um, they got no choice <laughs> with the tornado warning. Um. But I, I, I do, I mean, I, I, yeah, that would be one of those times when all hell would have broken loose to have lost the signal. But I, I believe loss of life is um, Trump's. <laughs> Trump's that. Oh, my God. Can you tell I, I really don't want to do a serious show today? To quote Wordsworth, the world is too much with me. Uh, I sounded a little like Susan Collins all of a sudden. Wait a minute. Little Tony says, Lynn, the shop in question, means shop 412, did indeed make a lot of enemies. Well, yeah, did they make any friends? I mean, there's no way that they made, well, I guess they got publicity that there was such a thing, but no, this is a total negative, a total self-inflicted wound. Uh, Tony says there are people that will never shop there again. What's funny is I think they sell pit gear. Well, they probably do if they're all things 412. And why would pit cave so fast? You tell me. Ow! Oh, there's this tiny little shop that nobody even knows on the south side saying we can't put 412 on our helmets. I don't know. I don't get it. Doesn't make any sense to me none uh oh gosh i um this will bore you to tears (laughs) you know that i'm a fan of old movies well last night in prime time turner classic movies put on a silent film and i gotta tell you First of all, black and white films are, uh, you know, are something that some people just, well, I can't watch a black and white film. <laughs> it just doesn't seem real to me or something. I it, Younger people, they don't get black and white. But black and white and silent? So this film's almost, I, I don't know when it came out, but it'd have to be close to a 100 a years old. And I thought I'd seen it before in a film class, but I thought, watch it. And then I realized I had never watched this film from beginning to end. I have seen a million times pieces of it, as have you. It is that historic and wondrous a film. It's an hour and a half long. It stars Charlie Chaplin, and if you ever wondered why he is some iconic figure in the world of movies, all you have to do is watch (laughs) that movie. It's like a Shakespeare play. It holds up. In 300 years, if anyone's still around, you could show that movie anywhere in the world because it's silent, which is so wonderful, because it's silent, and people would laugh. People would howl. People would be in suspense. People would cry. It's all in that movie and not a is spoken it's flat out brilliant you're wondering what movie I'm talking about it's the gold rush and it's Chaplin in that funny little tramp outfit as a prospector in a gold rush in like Alaska way 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 up in the in the north and it is i mean i just was transfixed it was brilliant i'm serious brilliant his physical comedy I mean, and, you know, you think of physical comedy, like that's supposed to be like uh, the Three Stooges. (coughs) All that kind of stuff. No, no, no. No, no, no. Chaplin. It's like Nijinsky in ballet. It's like, and funny as hell. Brilliant. So I just wanted to say that that gave me... An hour and a half, not only of respite from all the craziness in the universe, but such an appreciation of genius. There's a reason some names are known and will be known forever. The gold Rush, you probably the scenes you've probably seen, I'm trying to think, are uh, maybe the him eating a shoe and or um, the thing he does with two forks and two bread rolls. He sticks them, and he does this cute little dance, something my son used to do when he was a kid. He must have seen that scene and thought it was the funniest thing ever. It's like, you know, it's what I think of Shakespeare. I mean, he was writing that stuff, Shakespeare, what? What? Over 500, like pretty much 500 years ago. And what Shakespeare shows us and what the gold rush shows us is that great art transcends time because great art speaks to humanity. And people living 500 years ago were no different than us. They dressed differently. They didn't have the gizmos and gadgets we have, but they were just like us. I love that there is that permanence of greatness as we mourn Notre Dame, but there are things more seemingly ephemeral, words on on a page, uh, pictures, moving pictures on celluloid that have the, the strength, the resonance to survive for generation after generation after generation and speak to you. I love it. It gave me such joy. We have a caller. Hello, caller. Hung up? All right, that's okay. Uh so, just wanted to say. And speaking of uh of Shakespeare. And I know you guys, some of you think, "Oh, I remember I had um some theater guest on and somebody emailed, I think it was Tony saying, "Geez, I wasn't even going to watch. You said there was somebody a playwright or something and I and then he was blown away." Well, uh heads up, we've got um Uh, a Pittsburgh uh, uh, gem coming in on Wednesday next week, Uh, Carla Booz, who is the founder and director of Quantum Theater here. And um, she's coming in. I happened to bump into her at a theatrical event. And she is such an amazing woman who's done so much work Incredible work in theater. And I want to talk to her about some of what I've been talking about today, because anyway, Quantum Theater is putting on King Lear. We were talking about King Lear, what was it, last week? King Lear keeps popping up. It's interesting. Uh, We were talking about the fact that Glenda Jackson, the great uh, British actress, is, is starring in King Lear in New York City right now um but anyway, King Lear next Wednesday. Um for um half the show. Okay? I'm going to look forward to picking her brain. Smart cookie. What else? Let's see. I'll be da- And speaking of things going away, I want to if I get this uh publication called The Forward. Um It it came to my house a few days ago. I didn't pick it up right away. And last night I did pick it up and was blown away to find that this that I hold in my hands is the last issue of a newspaper slash magazine that has been around since the 1800s. I hold in my hand their last issue that you can hold in your hand. In other words, after how many years? It's from 1897 is when this launched. So for all of that time they have put out a paper and in more recent years, a magazine format. They've printed in two languages. It started as a Yiddish paper. They have a picture of their first edition. Yiddish is written in the same, um, using the Hebrew uh, alphabet, even though it sounds Germanic. And um that was their first issue. I couldn't read that. I'll tell you that. It was on the sixth day of Passover in eighteen ninety seven So we're heading into Passover this weekend and the four, this this is such an extraordinary paper, and has been and um I was sort of more i couldn't believe this was a I thought. I thought I have to hold on to this because this is, this is the end of something. And yet not because they say the voyage continues. Of course, digital. It continues, but not in a way I can hold it. And so I, I had this thought that I have so often now. And coming on the day after Notre Dame, there are so many things that we value, things that we value, and it just seems, because of the pace with which things are changing now, that we are losing, it feels like that, losing valued things at such a clip that I feel like I'm almost in a constant state of, uh, of mourning. Um, you know, it's it's a way of life. Those of us who are older, we are seeing what was the, you know, the sort of scaffolding of our lives coming down. Newspapers, newspapers, magazines, things you hold, um, Social norms that we were talking about the other day disappearing. People unsure of even how to talk to each other when there used to be more of a solidity, right? And I think it's very disorienting. And in some ways, um, I am doomed now to be the old person who, and, and I intend to... Uh, to celebrate and to openly mourn that which seems to be disappearing even um... if it's existing going on in a different form Um, it's, it's tough so i yeah i will hold up In that way, you can call me a a Luddite, but I don't think that's what it is. I'm just a person who's seeing touchstones of my life disappearing. And that's tough. And I'm not even getting into the stuff about like civility <laughs> and uh, trust in institutions and things like that. And uh, And I don't mean to suggest that we are not making true progress in many ways as well, but I just wanted to say... Uh, you know, the I love the things that hang on forever, like Charlie Chaplin <laughs> and even Notre Dame, as it turns out. And, you know, I love the things that won't die. My sister was saying yesterday, everything dies. Well, I I don't know about that. We keep things alive that are important to us. Yeah, Shakespeare died but this extraordinary work lives on and is still cherished and still speaks and still has such power so no yeah. anyway i'm sorry it's that kind of a day for me so jonathan writes i know he's another tcm fan if people want to watch the gold rush it's available free on the tcm on tcm and most cable systems on demand until April 23rd. Well, that's good. Do it. I'm I'm telling you, (laughs) it's from the moment Chaplin appears in it, I laughed out loud. I laughed out loud. Jeez, how brilliant. God. What? I really don't want to talk about him today, but what does this say? Oh, no, 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 no. This is satirical. Thank you very much. (laughs) Don't do that to me in the middle of a show. Because I think there's something happening, and it turns out it's not. But thank you, Rob. I'll look at that later. Um, Something else, actually, Jonathan uh, is the old movie nut. And the other thing that I know he values and uh, cares mightily about is Roberto Clemente, the great uh, Pittsburgh pirate. And the New York Times sports section had a big piece today on the, well, on the sacred number 21 that he wore and the desire by many to have the league retire that number. I mean, the team obviously retired, the Pirates retired 21 uh, a long time ago but major league baseball i believe has only retired one number for all teams and that's uh Jackie Robinson's uh 42 right um but there are growing requests that Roberto Clemente is of the same league um and it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting piece how uh, Latino players who increasingly make up a ton of Major League uh, Baseball players, that the vast majority of them so honor Clemente that they will not, and even in their early parts of their career, they will not wear that number. Now, some have, and the ones that have, have said they their feeling was they wanted to use his number to honor him as well. So either way, the 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 love, the reverence they have for this remarkable man. Uh, and and Puerto Rico, which you know has had a lot of troubles, um, in Puerto Rico, he's 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 worshipped. But the uh, commissioner has resisted uh, the idea. He says Major League Baseball already presents a Roberto Clemente award, which is given to the one player in the league that sort of represents the values that Clemente had, namely that he was not only an extraordinary um, athlete, but also a humanitarian. But... um, It's a it's a it's a very moving story. And for a lot of the Latino players, they say even if the league doesn't do it in our hearts that number is retired. 21. Uh Paul, listening to me bemoan the loss of so many things, says I feel your pain. I've even tried to read books using my iPad, but nothing is worse than when you're reading and the damn battery dies. Just give me a hardback cover book to hold. Nothing like the smell when you open the pages of a book. You know, I I, yeah, I frequent bookstores. I went in uh, to a wonderful store on the Northside City Books uh, the other day uh, to buy Damon Young's uh, extraordinary book. I am reading it now. I will um I know i he's on a national book tour, but he'll be back. he lives here, so i will um I will make an effort more of an effort to reach out. It's not like I don't have his phone number, I just know he's going through such uh <laughs> extraordinary time in his life where he's hit the big time and with all that that means nowadays, you know good and bad and uh We'll we'll get them on at some point. I hope. I I certainly hope. All right. What else? What else? When I don't want to talk about anything. Well. Uh. D- uh I'm s- I'm afraid now. I'm heading into all I do have left is sort of. Oh well. Here's one thing. I was haranguing friends the other day who have one of those ring doorbells. Do you have a ring doorbell, you know, which lets you see who's at the door, which lets you, I don't know, it records who's at your door even when you're not there. It does all kinds of stuff. It's a little surveillance state of its own. And it's growing in popularity, just like, you know, and whole neighborhoods. Our neighbors are pressuring neighbors to get a ring doorbell so that they can then form a network, essentially a surveillance network in their own neighborhood. My friend who has a ring doorbell said that an an alert went off on her phone the other night and she, you know, looked at it. And it was somebody in the neighborhood who also has a ring doorbell who had said that there was a suspicious-looking man going through the trash can behind her house. If this is the way you guys want to live, that's fine and dandy. I do not. The um, There was a special section on Sunday in the Times about, about this growing... Surveillance uh, that we're all under all the time—that the, uh, you know, again, the talk about mourning things that are gone. Here's a biggie: privacy. Any sense of privacy, and the the incredible quickness with which it has evaporated, and 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 that so many people are totally okay with it. No problem at all. Um, I don't know if you've read these reports coming out of China, but chi- China is at the front edge of using technology to surveil constantly uh, its population. Uh, here in the United States, that is happening Quite a bit, but it's driven less by the government and more of course by the capitalists who want to fleece us <laughs> at every at every turn and The best way to get hold of your money is to get hold of your personal information, and so they grab it and and we give it to them you know if you have a if you have a giant eagle uh, advantage card if you have any of those cards that that s- start accumulating information on what you buy when you buy where you shop our cars tell on us all the time where we are uh where we've been um you you, you it, cops must be in heaven i mean they can piece together and now with DNA and genetic testing, the fact that we are willingly giving up our genes into a huge data bank, uh, there will be next to nothing about you that, that they don't know. For government, it is, would be to, they will say to secure you, but it would be to control you. For the private sector, it's to, as I said, get your money. Um, so in the next 10 years, uh, you know, if I'm saying, oh, look at everything that's disappearing, my God. In 10 years, <laughs> who knows what will be gone because it will be marked the next decade by the rise of technologies that are totally dependent on the most intimate details of our lives. Uh, That's how artificial intelligence works. That's how wearable sensors, people with their Fitbits, all of that stuff is going up to that cloud. All of it is being aggregated all of it is being sold from the people who gather it from you to other people who would be interested. uh drones flying overhead, cameras everywhere I'm looking at one now cameras everywhere. You take money out of a automatic teller machine and you're being watched and recorded. You're being watched and recorded, we now know, every step of your day, every store you walk into, practically, every street corner. And um, soon and this is not this is not me making some outrageous remark. This is a given soon, just a handful of corporations in this country yes, Facebook, yes, Amazon, yes, Google, just a few corporations will possess almost total informational awareness of pretty much everything that each one of us is doing at all times. For those of you, because I haven't, who have brought these devices into your house. I mean, this thing's got a camera on it and can be... But, you know, Siri and that kind of stuff, the doorbell, they are taking in every aspect of your existence. And it is probably the most valuable commodity, that information, um, going. So... a guy named Farhud Manju said, let's play a game I call This Gadget's Worst Nightmare. And, And here's the way it goes. He says, you pick a gadget, the newest thing. And he picked the doorbell, the ring doorbell. And then imagine how that can be used and understand it will be. And ask yourself if our legal system, if our laws, if our, Politicians are prepared to deal and to handle the dystopian nightmare that emerges from this game. And as he says, this game gets scary very quickly. And he does it just with the doorbell. Um, and and home surveillance cameras, and more and more people are doing this stuff. So people love these things, and I can see why, because people have been taught to be afraid and to feel like they need to protect their home. I I never got the memo. I don't. I I refuse to live with that level of anxiety because I produce enough anxiety on my own. But people do. Who was I talking to the other day? I was at a dog park in Aspinwall, and there was another woman there with me, and we were talking. Her dog was there, and we were talking. And I said, it's so odd that no one ever seems to come here. I come here all the time, and no one's here. She said, well, you know, I've come, and I get very nervous when I'm alone here. And I thought, What? And she said, well, look, I mean, it's so secluded. And I'm thinking, really? And I realized so many people, that is their first reaction to almost everything these days. I'm scared. It would never have occurred to me. I have been alone there so often. And my only emotion is disappointment, because I was hoping there'd be other dogs there for my dog to play with. Um, But that women, especially have been taught conditioned to be afraid a lot so these um these ring doorbells um there's other one amazon is amazon of course makes ring and there's another one called a nest which google owns and when somebody rings your doorbell, you can, you know, be anywhere. You can be in Timbuktu and you can see who's ringing your doorbell. And you can talk to them. And however, let's talk about this first. These doorbells are motion triggered cameras. They have them that are connected to the cloud. And this means that when you install one of these doorbells, you are then recording an image of absolutely every human being who approaches your door and then sending pictures of that person's face to unknown servers... All over the world. Now you can say, yeah, so. (laughs) Who cares? But in doing that, like the UPS guy who drops something off, he's being recorded. He didn't ask to be recorded, he's doing his job, right? You're sending a daily dossier of everybody's of every UPS driver, your mailman uh, whereabouts to an internet company. Now, is that something to be concerned about? Hmm. Uh, there's software now that scans face, facial recognition software. So, okay, take the doorbell and then use this the software because people will. And we already know that this software has been shown to be uh, as biased as humans are. It is biased against uh, non white people and it's biased against women. It doesn't read their faces as well as white men's faces. And this this kind of technology it's and i remember i think i shared a story with you about it months ago people who abuse their wives or their children or whatever or you know real controllers they now are using this stuff they watch a domestic abuser now can have his wife literally under surveillance at every second of her life if he's really a despicable s o b he can have he can have one of those smart homes so he can torture her by simply turning off the electricity from far away uh lowering the temperature or turning it up that kind of thing and that is happening already so The problem is, is with this technology, while you and I might say, oh, how wonderful, I can see who's at the door. But other people are thinking, "Ah, there's always um, a consequence, unintended consequence of this stuff. And then there's these social Ring already offers these neighborhood social networks that lets users share pictures of suspicious people. Now who do you think who do you think's gonna be considered suspicious? I'm just asking. And so neighborhood social networks. This would be hotbeds of racial profiling, you can bet your buttons right also ring offers ways for the police to tap into these neighborhood networks and just to make this even more problematic last year your wonderful congress in DC repealed privacy rules now what tell me who they're jumping for when somebody says jump. It ain't you, right, ain't me either. Last year Congress repealed privacy rules meant to prevent these companies from analyzing your private information. There was a rule saying, hey, you guys can't take all this information and then bundle it up and sell it as a commodity. Uh, That's now not the case. So your internet service provider Might well be able to glean information about your comings, your goings, from your doorbell camera, understand, and sell that as well. It all sort of becomes a piece. And you hand it over, whether you're intending to or not, to Amazon, to Google, to Mark Zuckerberg. So this guy who came up with this scary game says, think about all the economic, social, and even political power we're handing over here. Economic, political, social power we're handing over here. Amazon and Google already know tons about us. But when we blindly buy into these conveniences that they offer us. They already know so much, and they say, here, put this doorbell on your door. You'll be safer, and it's so convenient. And oh my god, you have just given them, essentially, a constant surveillance camera on your door. Is that what we want private corporations to have? Is that, for instance, what we want government to have? I don't want either of them. But there's no turning back now. You increasingly live in a surveillance state, and you are aiding and abetting its formation for convenience, for some semblance of, oh, security. Never mind that you lived your entire life before without needing a camera that shows you who's at your door. And this is increasingly happening. What if your homeowner's insurance company says, you know, if you install one of those doorbell cameras, will lower your premiums. That is happening already. What if more and more people grab these cameras, not because they're feeling insecure, but because they'd like to lower their insurance premiums? That is more likely. And now, play this game, you know, for drones for Ancestry.com and its uh, DNA for self-driving cars. And I'll just, I'll just read you the last uh, few sentences of this guy's piece. To examine how carelessly we're thinking about privacy is to be confronted with a stark truth. We are building a surveillance state no less totalitarian than the one the Chinese are now busily rigging up. But what China is doing through government, we are doing through corporations and consumer products, because this, after all, is America. And in the absence of any real regulation, we are full steam ahead, in the absence of any real recognition of what it is we're heading into and the stakes at hand. Nothing will change. Me doing this sort of warning, warning will have no impact at all or anybody else who might be doing it. There was another story there about how these Fitbits and Apple Watches uh are also part of this whole thing. And part of the problem is um well, I, it's really hard. I mean, your health and in, health insurance people will start saying Um, would you wear one of these things? We will track your lifestyle. We will determine whether you're healthy or not. And if we determine you're healthy, your premiums will go down. On the other hand, of course, they might go up if the big brothers uh, decide that you're not. You're not walking enough. We have how many steps you took. Also, all of this information you know, now allows for all kinds of bad stuff. A zip code, we are talking before about an area code, a zip code can become a proxy for figuring out somebody's gender, I mean race, excuse me, race, right? Uh, From credit card purchases, they learn about, you know, whether we're pregnant or not, whether somebody has died, whether they know it all. Chuck says, talking about the ring doorbell, you reminded me of one of my ongoing complaints about technology. Keep in mind that technology is how I make my living, so this is coming from an industry professional. We are sucked into the myth that technology makes our lives easier. Yep, and it is really not. It so is not true. Do you remember how all of this stuff was supposed to make our lives easier? I have never been more overwhelmed by people trying to get in touch with me, 700 emails a day, text messages, this, that. This is easy. I spend my life hooked up to these conveniences. They make slaves of us. Back to Chuck. They do not make our lives easier. It may, make, it may give us conveniences that we didn't have before. But take the Ring doorbell, for example. You install it, and then you give up your leisure time maintaining it. There are video logs to maintain. When the doorbell falls off the network, you have to put it back. Think of all our devices and how much time they consume in exchange for convenience. Give me an old-fashioned hard book anytime. No, I so agree. But we're suckers. We're suckers for convenience. Suckers. Ellen writes, about a month ago, I noticed it char- charged my credit card from Home Depot, which I had not made. Turns out someone in Arizona had used my card number to buy a ring doorbell. I found that quite ironic. An item that is used to protect somebody was bought fraudulently at my expense. (laughs) Jeez, Yeah. I was sent something that my PayPal account had been used by somebody in Indonesia the other day. And all I had to do was sign in here and I could be, and I was afraid to even open it. So here's stuff that is convenience or is it just more anxiety producing crap that we were doing just fine without? I I will resist in what little ways I'm willing to. I mean, every time I hear somebody say, hey, Siri, I want to punch them. I'm sorry. What is keeping... It used to be... I mean, it isn't enough where you can just sort of... We have information so available to us so quickly, and then somebody comes up with something quicker. Rather than type in something... You can use your voice and there it will give these robots that you're talking to a name, even and you get the impression there's someone there, right? It is so effed up. and I will be dragged, kicking and screaming into this brave new world. I guess that's the theme of my uh, my show today. I. I mourn human contact and the loss of it, human trust. I mourn uh, all of that and the fact that now I'm suspicious who's trying to get to me. Is that spam? If I click on it, will everything in my life fall apart? Will my identity be taken from me? I better get a ring doorbell and make sure that I'm secure. How absurd. They're trying to tell us this makes us secure when the very act of buying into this crap makes us less secure. It makes us merely commodities for Amazon. They not only sell us shit we don't need, they're selling us. And all of our information to other people who want to sell us more shit. This is our wonderful system. And we are oblivious. It makes me nuts. Be a little more oblivious, will ya? That's it for me. I'm going to go out and enjoy some of this sunshine. And I'm not going to look at a screen. I'm going to sit in my backyard and listen to birds tweet and watch squirrels cavort. And I am not going to look at a screen. Okay? That sounds wonderful. I'll see you tomorrow. Lynn Colin Live.